We all want to feel peace in our lives, peace in our choices, our beliefs, our relationships, and our environment. I've learned that this desired contentment is often found through holding on to less. When we pare down what we own, what we consume, and what we value, we're left with what's intentional, a personalized curation of what is important and true and useful to us. I'm Shannon Laco, and you're listening to Paring Down, a podcast aimed at helping you declutter not only your home, but any area of your life that's overwhelming. Here, we're having interesting and honest conversations about the physical and mental clutter that drowns out what truly matters to each of us. And together, we'll learn how to pare it all down, not for the sake of perfection or becoming rigid, rather so we can move through life with less overwhelm and more joy, wisdom, and peace. Four more days till Christmas, people. Buckle up. Have you wrapped all your presents? Have you finished shopping for all of your presents? How are you doing? Uh, Listen, I, at one point in my life, thought I would be the kind of person who had all of her gifts wrapped by the beginning of December, maybe even November. Um, And then I realized that you really just can't put a Barbie dream house together ahead of time. Like that just has to be done the night before that sort of thing. Also, it's become like a really fun tradition with Aaron, with my husband to stay up on Christmas Eve together, getting all the presents wrapped and put together as needed, (laughs) making sure we have all the batteries and all of that stuff. And, you know, turning on a Christmas movie with Vanessa Hutchins in it, because is it Christmas if you haven't watched one of Vanessa Hutchins um, Christmas movies on Netflix? You know, like, The Night Before Christmas, spelled with K-N-I-G-H-T, or my personal favorite, The Christmas Switch, which the movies just get progressively more ridiculous as they go on. Like, it starts with just, like, two people switching places, played both by Vanessa, obviously, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a third, and they're, like, triplets, and it's, like... It's the correct amount of chaos for Christmas Eve. So do that with me if you haven't already, if you're not like one of those very responsible people that gets all of their um, wrapping done so they can just like quietly enjoy their tea on Christmas Eve. Like that's just not how it goes down in the Laco household. And I'm very okay with that. Anyway, the point is that Christmas is four days away. I hope that you guys are feeling good about it and feeling ready. Today is the very last installment of the mini series we've been doing here on the Paring Down podcast called Paring Down the Holidays. And it's just been a really special one for me. So thank you for being part of it. Today is the last one. And not only is it the last one, but it's actually a bonus episode because this series is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, No pun intended with all the holiday gift giving going on. And next week, we will be back into talking more generally about decluttering. I'm excited to dive back in today with our guest who was on the podcast just this past Tuesday, our usual episode release day. As I explained in that episode, Molly Stillman is a is a mother. She is a wife. She is a farmer. She is an author. She is a podcast host. She is a comedian. Molly's just the best. And if you didn't listen to the previous episode about why we celebrate the birth of Jesus and talking to Molly about that, please go back and listen. It is such an incredible episode. It truly helped me pare down my beliefs, which is what paring down is all about. Uh, and obviously goes beyond 
decluttering our homes and it, it's decluttering our beliefs, our values, our um, our minds, all of that. And the previous episode really did that for me when it comes to paring down my beliefs and understanding of who Jesus is. It's really, it's so valuable. And uh, I didn't want to end the conversation with her. And we started diving into what was going to be the second half of one episode uh, and paring down these different traditions of Christmas, these holiday traditions. Where do they come from? What are their histories? And I realized it was going to be like a two hour long episode and I didn't want to do that to you. So today is part two. So if you're like, why does this intro not really make sense? And we're just like diving right back into a conversation. That is why. I did the official intro and said hello to Molly in the previous episode. So today is just a continuation of that conversation. As a little bonus episode, we're going to walk through some holiday traditions, whether it's December 25th or a Christmas tree or an advent calendar or Santa. Where do these cultural traditions come from uh, and pare down kind of what we think about them? And doesn't mean good or bad. It's not we're not here to critique or to add guilt or shame or any of those things. It's just I think so many of us go through life celebrating Christmas and we have no idea why we have a tree in our living room. Right. right. Like that's so bizarre. Um, yeah. So I think it'll be fun to kind of dive into those. So these are mostly just, so you know, um, where I'm getting my facts and figures from are from like the History Channel and Britannica. OK, Love so. It. This is not, these are not scholarly uh, sources. Um, Britannica How, is an encyclopedia. That's true. Okay. Britannica's better. Um, yes. History Channel, though, I will say I went and I always double checked and looked, read a bunch of different research sources and articles on each one to find the most prominent um, history for each one. Starting with the birthday, December 25th. Okay. Why did we decide that was Jesus's birthday? Here's the deal. No one really knows why. <laughs> No one really knows why there are a bunch of different theories as to why December 25th was chosen. But, you know, I think a lot of people are like, listen, this doesn't really make sense if you're going based on the Bible, because it says shepherds were in their fields. So this indicates a late summer or early fall birthday. Also, Mary and Joseph had to register and censuses, censuses were normally taken in warmer months for easier travel, because, as you mentioned, they did not have cars. Right. Um. So. Then these are the few ideas as well as to why why December then, if that historically doesn't really make sense. The first is that Sextus Julius Africanus was a Roman believer who believed that Jesus's conception was March 25th and nine months later would be December 25th. So that was that. But I also don't really know how much I believe um, Sextus Julius Africanus because he also claimed to know exactly when Earth was created. And I feel like that's a stretch yeah. to yeah, say that you know stretch. that. So uh, yeah. that's fun. Okay. The most loudly touted theory about the origins of the Christmas date of December 25th is that it was actually borrowed from a pagan celebration, yeah. but fear not people who are like, oh my gosh, does that mean we can't celebrate it? No. The Romans had their midwinter Saturnalia festival in late December. Barbarian peoples of the Northern and Western Europe kept holidays at similar times. To top it off in 274 CE, I, I actually, what is CE? Any idea what CE is? Uh, it's the same thing as AD. It's like, I don't know. It's, I don't remember exactly what it stands for, but it's like, it's the same thing as, as AD. Okay. Yeah. They should have just said AD. 
Keep it simple, people. Okay, so to top it off, I think you're right because I read somewhere else that it was like 200 AD that this happened. So this yeah. tracks. 274 CE AD, whatever. The Roman Emperor Aurelian, Aurelian just established a feast of the birth of Sol Invictus, the unconquered sun, on December 25th. So Christmas, the argument goes, is really a spinoff from these different pagan solar festivals. And according to this theory, early Christians deliberately chose these dates to encourage the spread of Christmas and Christianity throughout the Roman world. If Christmas looked like a pagan holiday, more pagans would be open to the holiday and the God whose birth it celebrated. So to me, it's not as scary to be like, oh, this is born of a pagan, a pagan tradition. I'm like, actually, I think this is born of the Great Commission, go make disciples of all nations and people just trying to get creative. How can we make people listen to the story of Jesus? So yeah. One of the That's, common, yeah. the, one of the common theories I'd always heard was that it was it, similarly to that. It was that, uh, actually, uh, C Catholics were, um, I think it was Catholics were basically trying to overshadow the pagan worship of the winter solstice. And so, because the winter solstice was, is a really big deal in pagan cultures and in a lot of pagan worship. Um, and so basically just trying to take the winter solstice and turn it into um the worship yeah. of Jesus which is kind of on the similar lines and so that was just one of the theories that I'd always been told and so it's just you know at the end of the day like we don't know the exact day yes he was probably born more than likely in the summer but the same thing is like you know you're blowing up your nativity when I'm like guys like the wise men were not there when he was born like he he was probably a toddler. Like, <laughs> right. Right. Was, like does, I mean, I, again, don't know how God works, but like, would he send a baby to be born in a manger when it's a negative 10 degrees outside? No. Like, I just feel like that's not how right. God's smarter than that. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That is like very much just a Shannon side note. Like, please don't take that with any form of legitimacy. Okay. Like and you know, the one thing that though, I want to say on this is that the History Channel, a secular group, does recognize that Jesus walked the earth, as do most historians. They yes. share that within a few decades of his life, lifetime, Jesus was mentioned by Jewish and Roman historians in passages that corroborate portions of the New Testament that describe the life and death of Jesus. He's also uh, in the so, Quran. Yeah, he's in the Quran. Yes, it, it, it's like I said, and we talked about earlier, um, it's pretty clear that Jesus did exist. So in your opinion, do you think it matters when we celebrate his birthday? I don't think it matters. I agree. <laughs> Period. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to you, what is the point of celebrating his birthday? What is the point of celebrating Christmas? Um, I mean, I just, I mean, one, I mean, there's, there's kind of two things to it. I mean, God is a God of celebration. Um, we can see all over the Bible that God loves to celebrate. So like, it's a, it's biblical to celebrate. It is biblical to party. It's biblical to have fun and to dance and to laugh and to fellowship with your family and your friends. Like that is biblical. It's all over the Bible. And so, uh, celebration in general is just, uh, absolutely biblical. Um, highly recommend a book by, um, my friend, Nicole Zazowski. Um, it's called, I think it's literally called what if it's wonderful and it's a whole, she really digs into a biblical celebration. And so great book. Um, it's not Christmas related, but I think she talks about Christmas in there. Um, it's been a couple of years since I read it, but in any event, um, uh, what if it's wonderful by Nicole Zazowski. Uh, so that's the first part is it's biblical to celebrate. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, I just, I love thinking about, um, the fact that 
God could have come uh, to earth in any form that he wanted. Uh, I love Phil Wickham's new Christmas song this year called Manger Throne. It is so good. It's so beautiful because he talks about the fact that like, you, you know, God could have sent his son to earth on a stallion. He could have sent his son to earth on fiery clouds. He could have come down like on a golden throne and he didn't, he come down, he came down a vulnerable, helpless baby. I mean, think about like babies, <laughs> babies are the most vulnerable, helpless being. And we have God in flesh who sent his own son as a baby in a manger a helpless baby who pooped and his mom had to put, change a diaper or what a you know, loincloth, whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, his, he had to breastfeed. I mean, he was, he was reliant on his earthly parents for everything until he became an adult man. You know, he had to go to school and he played rough, um, in the streets with his friends and he was probably made fun of. And like, I mean, the, the prophecies of him too, is that he was, he was not handsome. He was kind of just ordinary, average looking, if not, maybe even a little ugly. Um, and, and the fact that God, chose to send his very own son, um, in this way is just beautiful. And so I love having the opportunity to, uh, to celebrate that and to talk about that with my family and my kids and, and myself and to just praise God for, for how he made a way in such a unique and beautiful way. Mm, yes, because babies are a miracle in yes. and of themselves. I do. I love that. We celebrate our own birthdays. I mean, Hey, I, uh, and Jesus is more important than we are. I do wonder though, like I, these are questions I ask. This is Molly asking, not, this is not the Bible. It's like, did Jesus have tantrums? Like, did he, did he like get real mad when Mary told him that like he couldn't play with like, you know, some stick anymore that she was like, Jesus, you need to put the stick down. And he's like, but I want to play with the stick. Like he, he was sinless. So, and, and so kids how are early sin is sin, sin. Right. So was that sin that he was like, you know, throwing a tantrum. I don't know. Like these are questions that I have. I um, have the I same ones. So many questions about that. I just, I really, really love to think about these things. And I realize that that is ridiculous, but I genuinely wonder that all the time. Like I just go like, did Mary ever just go be like, Joseph, I'm tapping out. Like it's, it's all you now. Like I'm tapping out on parenting for a while. Like I want to know. I hope she, I hope she did. If, if Jesus was a bit of a tantrumy toddler, I hope Mary had the support she needed. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> okay. So we're going to, our next tradition we're going to talk about are Christmas trees. Okay. I found out a lot about where they might have um, stemmed from, <laughs> no pun intended, um, where they stemmed from. Uh, but the most common one is that the modern Christmas tree or originated in Germany, where families set up a paradise tree in their homes on December 24th, the religious feast day of Adam and Eve, and they hung wafers on it, symbolizing the Eucharistic host, the sign of, with a Christian sign of redemption. Have you heard of anything different when it comes to Christmas trees? No, that's pretty much what I've heard. Yeah. Germany sounds good. And then interesting how they came over to America though. So a New York woodsman named Mark Carr is credited with opening the first U.S. Christmas tree lot in 1851. A 2019 survey by the American Christmas Tree Association, love that that exists, love predicted- that. 
that 77% of U.S. households displayed a Christmas tree in their home. That is a massive percentage. Yeah. Um, okay, so trivia. Among the trees displayed, how many do you think, Molly, are artificial and how many do you think are real percentage-wise? I'm going to go, this is a complete guess. I don't know, but I'm going to guess 60% real, 40% artificial. I would have said the same thing. I feel like real Christmas trees are a thing. I grew up with a real Christmas tree. I always we grew just, up with a real Christmas tree. We just don't right now because like my kids will eat the pine needles. So and- we switched to artificial like three years ago. And I still like, it breaks my heart a little bit because the prices went up so much. Um, like we went to get a Christmas tree. I want to say it was like Christmas of 2020, like December, 2020. And the, the, I mean, we went to a couple different lots and they were astronomically expensive for a fake tree or for a real tree. I I mean, it was, I'm talking, it was over a hundred dollars for a real tree. And I was just like, absolutely not. Like I'm going to get a fake tree for a hundred dollars. Right. It breaks my heart because I love having a real tree, but the prices just shot up way too much for me. Yeah, I still have a vision in my head of the little handwritten price tags on the biggest tree in the lot when I was a kid was eighty nine yeah. ninety nine. Yeah, that's the biggest, the biggest tree. One. Right. And now they're like, I mean, I saw a tree in, in one of the lots that was like 250 bucks for a no. real tree that is going to die in a month. And probably bring spiders into your house. And probably like, let's all calm down. Well, okay, I have the answer for you. It's 81% are artificial. Wow. And only, only 19% are real. That's uh, yeah. So those of you patting yourself on the back and think that you're better than us because you have a real tree. Well, you are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, you must be very wealthy, which is fine. I'm like no judgment. Like I just I love it. Yeah. And I'm not saying like we're 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 certainly we're comfortable financially. I just was not comfortable spending a hundred some odd dollars on a tree. I know. I know. I would like to go real in the future, but uh, we'll see how financially we feel when we get there. But again, I'm at the stage where my toddlers use the, um, like the water as a water table underneath the tree. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so hard pass for me. Um, okay. And question for you, because this is just for funsies. They used to decorate it, you know, with, like I said, wafers or different treats on the tree. How do you decorate your tree? Do you do pretty tree or do you do personalized chaos Always tree? personalized tree. My whole life, personalized tree. I, I, I admire the people who do the beautiful matchy-matchy, amazing trees. That is not my journey. I would love, uh, I have a friend who over the past couple of years, like she now has multiple trees where she has one that's like a pretty tree and she has a kid tree. She has a, um, like we live in the, you know, the area where we're big Carolina Tar Heel fans. And so she has a Carolina Tar Heel tree. So like, um, cause they have so many Carolina ornaments that they just did, decided to decorate an entire tree. That's just Carolina tree. So, um, that's not us. We just have one, um, but they're, they're, they're mismatched. They're handmade, but every single ornament tells a story. And that is way more meaningful to me than I, I admire the pretty trees, but that's not my my jam. I'm the same way. And I mean, obviously as somebody who like tries to declutter her life, I just feel like multiple trees is a bit much for me and how I want to be able to spend my time yeah, maintaining. For decluttering, so you probably don't want multiple trees, but no, I just don't want the cleanup. I'm like, I don't have anything against it. Like do what makes sense. I'm sorry, by the way, my contact fell out earlier while you were talking. I don't know if you saw me reinsert my contact oh, in my sorry. eye, but that is what I'm messing with right don't now. Anyway, yeah, no, the multiple tree thing. I don't judge people for it. I think it's fun for them, but like for me, I'm like I just don't have the energy to clean up that many trees and store that many ornaments. Um, so chaotic tree all the way. 
Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to, we did, we did the date and now we did trees. Now we're doing advent calendars. Okay. This one's fun. Early versions of this tradition started in Germany. So thank you Germans for just making our lives so magical. Yeah. They also have the pickle, the pickle thing. My yes. kids do the pickle where like, and if you're like, what is the pickle thing? It's like you do a pickle ornament and you hide the pickle ornament in the tree. We don't do the present with, if you find the pickle, but my kids just, they make it a constant game. So like they take turns throughout the entire month. The tree is up. They take turns hiding it. And then, um, and they hide it in like within the tree and I still can't find it. Um, and then they just like, it's like props when you find it. And then the next when once the, you know, Lily finds it, then Amos will hide it. And then, um, uh, or you know what I'm saying? Like they yeah. switch off anyway. That's a German uh, thing too. That makes me want to do the pickle thing more it's really because fun. I was like, I don't have the energy for like a whole nother thing, but if it's just funsies for the kids, because it's let's be fun. honest, they all redecorate the tree constantly. Anyway, might as well have yeah, when they're yeah. supposed to move. <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. Get a pickle ornament. And mine is literally like the kids made it out of paper. Like it's a paper pickle. A paper so pickle. Yeah. They, they colored, they cut out and colored a pickle and then they just hung it out on the tree and then they hide it. How many, how big is that? How many inches are it's we talking? Big. I'm talking, it's probably like three inches. Okay. <laughs> three this inches. conversation should not be taken out of context. Okay. All right. So moving on, starting in Germany in 1903 by publisher Gerard Lamb. Um, it was to offer the advent calendars were a way to offer children to count down to Christmas by opening the door or window to reveal a Bible passage, poem, or a small gift. Since gaining mass popularity, not until 1920, so they have not been around in our little world very long, but I mean, you know, us being the modern humans. Um <laughs> Uh, let's see, 1920 mass popularity. The calendars have evolved to secular calendars that include daily gifts from mini bottles of wine to nail polish, to chocolates, to action figures. Do you guys do an advent calendar? So I've never been great with doing advent, but it was really funny. So in my life group, like text message group text, uh, a couple weeks ago, one of my friends had texted and she was like, Hey, I'm headed to Aldi this morning. Cause today's the advent calendar release. And like my whole text threads start blowing up with like, Ooh, get me a bluey calendar. Ooh, get me a chocolate advent. Ooh, get me the beer one. And I was like, did I miss a memo? Like, is this a thing? And apparently the Aldi advents were, are like really popular. Anyway, apparently I was the one in my life group who did not get the memo about the Aldi advent calendars. Um, so, uh, last you are year, very behind the times. Very behind the times. I am too. I don't know what they're talking about. Last year, my kids got, as a gift from one of their aunts, they got a Lego advent calendar that they loved. And it was like every day they pulled out a new thing and they like put together a little Lego thing. Um, This year, uh, I will admit that I may or may not have been influenced by somebody. And I got my daughter a Taylor Swift advent calendar. (gasps) And I am, yeah, yeah. They have that? it's so there's a there's different ones but I got her the charm bracelet one and so it's there's a charm bracelet and then every day throughout advent you pull out a different Taylor Swift charm for the charm bracelet and I was like sold (laughs) yeah I'm ordering that immediately my four-year-old's obsessed with Taylor Swift search like Taylor Swift advent calendar and there's a bunch of different ones there was one that was like stickers tattoos like Anyway, I realize it's like the not Christ-like thing at all. And then I got my son a Pokemon one. Um, 
Love it. Because he's big into Pokemon. Um, so I, but I will say like, we, we have tried to do better about talking about like what is Advent. It's not just like opening up a random Taylor Swift charm every day. Um, but I do also believe in like the fun and the magic of Christmas and just doing some of that fun stuff like that. Um, but I, we do try to do an Advent devotional, um, uh, you know, so we try to talk through it, but I've, I will be honest, I've never been like great at that. You know what? Same. I mean, because Advent, you know, is the, it's the Latin word for coming. So in the Christian church calendar, the period of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas. Um, and it also preparation for the second coming of Christ. Like that is what Advent means. Right. Uh, but I'm with you. Like, I think I've definitely fallen into the more like cultural display of Advent, but, um, I don't think that's like a sin in and of itself by no. any means. I think it's fun and it's, fun. it's great to have fun. Uh, I'm definitely ordering the Taylor Swift one. Uh, but in terms of focusing us back on Jesus, what are some things you do to prepare your heart for the celebration of Jesus? Yeah. So, I mean, we, I mean, we're big into just Christmas music and we, we love, um, so every year, I mean, on Christmas day, like we are the family that before we open presents, like we read the Christmas story in the Bible and we talk about it and, um, we try to make it fun with the kids. And, um, I have a, my best friend, um, they make a birthday cake for Jesus every year, which I think is really cute with their kids. Um, so they, as a family, they make a birthday cake and they talk about all the different, like, um, I can't remember. I won't, I, I, so I won't butcher it, but it's like every ingredient, like represents something about the birth of Christ. And then they, they bake a cake and then they sing happy birthday to Jesus. And I think that's really sweet. Um, so there's different ways that you can do it. Um, but I think it's all about just your mindset and your heart, um, for the season and reminding the kids like what this really is about. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to end with the big kahuna and that is Santa Claus. So the legend of Santa Claus can be traced back hundreds of years to an early Christian bishop named Saint Nicholas. Saint Nikolai. Saint Nikolai. It is believed that Nicholas was born sometime around 280 AD. What was else? What other thing was that we talked about was like in the CE thing? Hold on. I want to yeah. go back to that. This is like the same time. Same, same. Sorry. Let me the... Roman Empire. Yeah. Emperor. Sorry. Emperor. The Roman Emperor. Um, when we were talking about uh, the date, December 25th. Huh. Okay. Just probably coincidental. Yeah. Okay. So believe that Nicholas was born sometime uh, around 280 AD in modern Turkey. Much admired for his piety and kindness. Is that how you say it? Pi- piety? Piety? It's piety, piety, right? Yeah, piety. Okay, God. Oh my gosh. I just like started questioning myself and I'm like, do I even know the English I language? Think, I think it's a tomato tomato situation. I, th- I think some people would say piety, but I think piety is correct. I don't think that's right. It sounds like pie. We're going to go with it. Um, St. Nicholas became the subject of many legends saying that he gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside, helping the poor and the sick. Um, and so uh, he made his first inroads into American popular culture towards the end of the 18th century in December, 1773, a New York newspaper reported that groups of Dutch families had gathered to honor the anniversary of his death in 1773. Um, and then the name Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Nick. This whatever I'm reading from just suddenly called him Nick, like their old friends. Yes. But anyways, not Nick. From say Nick, uh, Santa Claus evolved from Nick's Dutch name Sinterklaas. And that's spelled S-I-N-T-E-R-K-L-A-A-S. Sinterklaas. A shortened I know. A shortened version, a form of Saint Nicholas, Dutch for Saint Nicholas. Okay, so in 1804, 
a member of the New York Historical Society distributed woodcuts of St. Nicholas at the Society's annual meeting. And the background of these engravings contained now familiar, familiar Santa images, including stockings stuffed with toys and fruit hung over a fireplace. So that's how that came about. Um, so just curious, Molly, how do you reconcile Santa and Jesus with your babies? Do you still have believers? Uh, and how, how do you manage that transition? So I'm going to give you a hot take. Okay. Give me a hot take. Okay. Yeah. We don't do Santa. You don't do Santa. Okay. Give me the hot take. We don't. We don't. Now I want, I feel like because this has like big, people have big opinions about this. I know. Okay. So I feel like I need to give some like serious disclaimers here. If you do Santa Claus, that is a hundred percent fine. Like I Molly don't definitely judge. Molly thinks you're going to hell if you yeah. do Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't judge a single person who does Santa Claus. Just like I don't want you to judge me that we don't do Santa Claus. Um, so and I grew up in a home that was big into Santa. My husband grew up in a Christian home where they were big into Santa. It was a decision that John and I made. Um, I mean, even after Lily was born, when she was a baby, I mean, like, obviously she didn't know what's going on. So like that was, we had a couple of years before it was like, she was cognizant of like, what is happening um, at Christmas. And we, we really wrestled with this. Like, do we do Santa? Do we not do Santa? Do we do Santa? Do we not do Santa? Um, and we ended up choosing not to. And everyone around us thought we were insane. And, and so many people have, we have had some really hurtful things. And like, I think people don't mean it to be that way, but they're just like, you're taking the magic out of Christmas, like blah, blah, blah. You know, like, so I get it. People have really strong opinions on this. We personally made the decision after a lot of back and forth, um, that we weren't going to do it. And it was a variety of discussions went into this. Like this was not a decision we made hastily. Okay. And again, we have family that do Santa. We grew up doing Santa. So this is like it, I truly believe it is like, you know, your family and your family's culture. Well, and here is why the ultimate crux of why we chose to not do Santa. Again, I feel like because people have big feelings about this, um, and I'm not saying that because we believe this, that you are doing this. Can you tell that we've had people? Take really note, people. Take <laughs> notes. Take some deep breaths, and the we're going to hear biggest why. biggest thing, and it wasn't even really the biggest thing that we were like, oh, we really want the focus to be on Jesus. The biggest thing for us was the lying aspect. So, and I, I get it. Cause I, people are like, well, I'm not lying to my kids. Like we're just doing fun. If you don't see it as lying to your kids, it's fine. But we have a set of family values of family rules in our household. And one of the number, I mean, I think the number one rule in our household is honesty. Um, and so we have created a, an, uh, an atmosphere in our home where honesty and telling the truth to one another me and my husband, between me and my kids, between my husband and my kids, between them and, and, you know, and us, like it's honesty and telling the truth is the number one thing that we drill into them. Like it is just, we're really, really key about it. So like, I mean, even us, you know, my daughter's 10, like we, she has asked me some real fun doozies in the last couple of years that I was like, 
Okay. So I was not prepared for that question, but because we have created an atmosphere in which she is not afraid to ask me a single question. And so it's created a level of trust. And so because honesty is so important in our house, we felt like if, if we do Santa, they're going to eventually find out that Santa's not real. Sorry. If little ears are, I'll give a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Doors yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. If you have kids, don't listen don't, to, the, to the end, you know, just beware mm-hmm. um, that if it, that when they find out that they're going to then could there be a potential that they would then question other things we've told them that we, we told them we weren't lying. Um, and so again, I understand that that is not everybody's perspective. It was just, you have to make the decision as to like, what is your primary family value? And one of ours is, is just, is honesty and truthfulness. And so that was, that was kind of the deciding factor for us, um, was that we didn't ever want our kids to have an excuse or a reason to think that we've been lying to them. Um, now there are certainly times where they will ask us questions where we will say, I cannot answer that because you're not ready for the, the, the real answer, or I will answer it in a partly in a way that is age appropriate. So there are certainly questions that where we don't necessarily give a full answer, but we tell them that we don't lie to them. Um, but I mean, and so that, you know, on the flip side, like if I catch my kids lying, that is one of the biggest, it's, it's the biggest, um, it's arguably the biggest thing that we've had to deal with as, as we've had a couple of issues instances in which we've caught our kids lying, um, about little things. And one time about a big, big thing. And, um, and, and they face some pretty serious consequences because we want to drive home the fact that like honesty and trustworthy is the number one, um, family value that we have is, um, is building trust as a family. And so that was our ultimate reason. I realized that again, people are going to disagree, but I, I will say we still have Santa things around. Like we still go take pictures with Santa. Like Santa's just a fun part of Christmas. We just don't do the, like he's coming down a chimney and like he's watching you all year. And like, we don't do presents from Santa, anything like that. Like, that's just, we don't do that part. Um, but we certainly like we sing Santa Claus songs and we go see like, so I was really just a fun figure. Yes. I was really worried that we were going to miss out on the magic of Christmas. We have not one time missed out on the magic of Christmas. Like Christmas is still just as magical without Santa as it was with Santa when I was growing up. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, something my, my have one friend who uh, recommended this and I, I thought like, oh, that's a great take. I think it's something we might adopt as, as I have a five year old who I think is probably on the crux of deciding whether or not Santa is real. And we do do Santa. But one thing she said, and I've made sure of, is that if they ask, like, is Santa real? She said that's the point where she will not say, yeah, of course. She says, do you think Santa is real? Turn it back on them. And if they say, I don't know, I'm not sure, um, you know, and then asking questions, how would you feel if he isn't? Blah, blah, blah. And talking through it to the point where you, they can either decide that they don't want to know, or it becomes clear that you need to share this with them, you know? And I thought that was really great. And she said, and then we just gamify it and we say, Hey, mommy and daddy were doing this because it's a really fun Christmas game. And once you're old enough, then you kind of get in on the other side of the game and learn. And so she says, you know, her seven-year-old loves to make like Santa footprints in the snow and still make the cookies and gamify it. This is just a fun Santa game, you know? And I thought that was a lovely way of doing it too. And like you said, it's all, 
it, when it comes to any parenting decision, when we make a decision for our family, uh, immediately it or someone makes a decision for their family, uh, we immediately take it as um, a criticism of us making a different decision from our family right. when those things are so separate. Uh, totally. You know, that's from sleep training to what we feed our kids, all of that. So I hear your, I hear your concern on that. But I thank you yeah. for sharing that. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is just fun little facts, too, I wanted to say here at the end, but like leaving cookies for Santa, where did that come from? I was curious. So I'll read that for people. Um, while leaving treats for treats for Santa and his reindeer dates back to the ancient Norse mythology. I don't even know what that is. Americans began to sweeten up the tradition or sweeten up to the tradition during the Great Depression in the 1930s as a sign of showing gratitude during a time of struggle. Hmm. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then I wanted to know about the the reindeer. So in 1829, or sorry, no, 1821 is when there was an illustrated children's poem, Old Santa Claus with Much Delight, which had the first known mention of a reindeer pulling Santa's sleigh. The much more famous poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, better known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, gave Santa eight reindeer. So that was, those were poem-based, were the reindeer, which makes sense. Only a poet would come up with like a flying sled and reindeer. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> like we read the night before Christmas every year. Like we totally make Christmas cookies. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's still fun. It's fun to talk it's about and just like for funsies. Fun. Super um, fun. Do you do, I'm going to guess based on no uh, Santa, you don't do elf on the shelf. No, absolutely not. Hard pass. No. Same, uh, same. I do do you. I do judge you if you do. Elf. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, absolutely not. I, that is a hard pass on the elf on the shelf. My kids, I remember yes. one year were like, because I have a friend who like they do it, but they they do it just for fun. Like they don't not like this elf is watching you. Real. That part I struggle with. Yeah, no, I uh, and I just was like, my kids came home one day and they were like, all my friends do elf on the shelf, and I was like, that's great for your friends. That is, see, I. The holidays are already too stressful. You don't need me coming up with these creative things for the elf and the trouble to get into every night. Hard pass. Again, if that is your journey, I love that journey for you. Not a Stillman family journey. Correct. <laughs> um, as somebody who's decluttering her life, you can probably guess that Elf on the Shelf also does not exist in our house. Not yeah. only because the origins of like Elf is watching you for behavior and that kind of thing. But I know there's uh, most people I would say don't approach it with that big no. brother is watching thing anymore. So it's not like that's an issue. But for me, it was definitely like you said, I just the overwhelm of Christmas is no. too much already. I don't no. need to add a crazy elf to our shelf. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And especially in the last couple of years, like how being a church planter and Bert being in leadership at a church plant, um, the Christmas season is busy enough. Exactly. <laughs> I am all good on not adding another thing, but I know some people that love it. And I think it's funny. Like I, I love some of the funny things that people will put their elves in. And other than that, that's going to be a, it's going to be a no from me. Yep, exactly. It's a good for you and it's a no for me. Correct. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you the final two questions that I ask everybody on the podcast. Um, okay, what is one thing you'd like to or are currently paring down? So that means just trying to get a better understanding of maybe decluttering something physical or just something you want to start doing more intentionally. What's one thing you'd like to or are currently paring down? Uh clothing in my household uh children's clothing overwhelms the you know what out of me 
Um, and then just also mine in general, like I said, like I love fashion. I love style. Um, that has always been really fun for me. Um, but it, you know, since we moved to the farm, you know, I guess we moved here. I mean, it's been almost three years at this point that we've lived here. And like, so I look at over half my closet now and I'm like, I don't wear any of this stuff because I live, I feed chickens. And so I'm really into like cute lounge wear. <laughs> That's my jam these days is I like cute. I want to look cute. Um, but I also don't really like have a reason to wear, you know, nice shoes like anymore. Like I wear my work boots if I'm outside. Um, so I've got some like sneakers, cute sneakers, but, um, clothing in general is the big thing that I am just on the, I, mainly kids clothes stress me out. Um, but just, uh, it's, it's on the way out and I'm working on it. It's a slow process. Love it. Oh my gosh. I love when I can go into a closet and have pared it down. It's a really good feeling and I'm excited for you. I'm never going to be a capsule closet person. Oh, me neither. Have you seen what's behind me in yeah. my closet? Not a cop, not a capsule wardrobe. Right. That's like the nicest part of my closet. Cause it's what's obviously on video, but like, yeah. I promise you there's a lot going on over here. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's pink. Okay. Um, and what is something that you are looking forward to right now? It could be as simple as like your child not being sick anymore, or it can be, you know, anything you want holidays. I don't care. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to Christmas. Um, and, and I think in a lot of ways too, because I'm in, you know, I'm in the book launch season. Um, uh, it's been a really busy couple of months and it's not bad. And I'm not every, I'm somebody who does not glorify busy. I'm, I do not like to be like, I'm so busy. Like I, I, that's not me. Um, but it, it has legitimately been a really busy couple of months just with finishing a book and, and editing a book and then now marketing a book. Um, and then, uh, ch church plant life is, uh, very busy. And so that plus farm stuff, and it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot of things. I don't, um, have a ton of margin, um, which I'm actively trying to make, create margin in my life. Um, and so I think that the holidays allow for that and give you some of that margin. Um, and so I'm trying this year to, to pare down and just like focus on what, actually matters. And so like we put up the tree, we put up the stockings, I'll do some decorations, but like, I'm not going to go over the top and, and stress myself out. I'm just not, just not going to do that. And so I'm looking forward to just chilling and taking a nap. You hit that, you hit the nail on the head about why I'm so passionate about decluttering and living yeah. more intentionally with less is because it gives you that bandwidth and that margin yeah. to focus on what's actually important and not let the clutter take over, whether that's schedule clutter or physical clutter or whatever. So yeah. I love that answer. And Molly, thank you so much for your extended time today. Yeah, there is great. so is much. So fun. I love it. And where can everyone follow you? Um, so uh, my website is still being molly.com, although mollystillman.com works as well. I'm on all the socials. I'm at still being molly. Um, and yeah, you can pre-order my book right now, which uh, is really helpful for authors. If you pre-order their book, um, you can get it wherever books are sold. Uh, I actually have believe when this airs, um, Barnes and Noble is going to be doing like a special discount on the book. So if you pre-order it at barnesandnoble.com, there will be a special pre-order discount on my books. So I think it'll be the cheapest price you can get it anywhere. So 
Um, what a great this. holiday, like pre-gift. Cause Aaron knows, yeah. my husband knows that I, I read constantly. I don't need the book in my hand right now. Just tell me it's coming. And that to me is the gift. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You could like, um, and I think we're actually going to be putting something out too, where if you want to get somebody, get the book for somebody as a gift, who's a bookworm, um, you, there will be like a little thing that you can like put in their stocking to let them know like, Hey, the book will be delivered to you on March 26th. So, um, Stop, I love if, that. Let me know when this is going to air. Cause I'll, I'll send you the thing. Cause I'm pretty sure we're going to have like a little print printable that you can print out so that like if you do pre-order it that you can print it out and put it in somebody's stocking perfect and I will have all of this information in the show notes everybody um so thank you again Molly I just adore you um and I'm just so so happy we got to connect and chat for a million years I love it so much it was so much fun You just listened to an episode of Pairing Down with me, Shannon Laco. If you enjoyed the show, it would mean the world if you can leave a review wherever you listen and share this episode with a friend. Those reviews really are what keeps a podcast on its feet for the long haul. And I will read every single one with a huge smile on my face. So thank you ahead of time. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe. Also, be sure to follow along on Instagram at Pairing Down Podcast, where I offer lots of tips and inspiration for pairing down, along with what's new here on the podcast. Till next time.